0: you are going to have to change. You're gonna have to adapt. You're gonna have to be agile. You're gonna have to embrace and harness some of these new technologies and trends that are happening in the economy and the workforce today. And so, while change does represent danger historically, if you want to thrive and flourish in the future, you have to embrace these changes. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. We're going to start 2019 with a recap of last year and what we're paying attention to this year. To facilitate the conversation, I've invited my colleague, Devin McGrath, to join me. Devin, welcome to 12 Geniuses.
1: Thanks, Don. Happy New Year. Now, I know 2018 has been a very big year for you. You left Aon, you started a new company, you traveled a lot... And most importantly, you became a father again, so congratulations.
0: Thank you. I can genuinely say that 2018 was the best year of my life so far.
1: Well, looking back on 2018, what did you learn?
0: I'll start out with a language endeavor. I wanted to learn Arabic, and I wanted to become a podcaster, so I'm learning the art And science of podcasting. You mentioned fatherhood. I became a father again. We have two children under the age of three years old, so I'm actively learning how to be a good father. And we started 12 Geniuses, so I'm in entrepreneurial mode again. I went to futurist camp in August of last year, and I'm learning some principles and practices around how to predict the future and some methodologies around that. And lastly, I've been studying a handful of technologies that I believe are going to change the way we live and work, including artificial intelligence, drones, the Internet of Things, wearable technologies, 3D printing, and virtual reality.
1: You mentioned you were learning Arabic. I know that that is one of the top five hardest languages to learn for an English speaker. Why did you choose Arabic and how did that go for you?
0: I wanted to learn Arabic because There are over 300 million people in the world who speak it. It's a language that's spoken in a part of the world that I love to travel in, and so I thought it would be helpful... To be able to communicate with people how it went was horrible. It was, it was an abysmal failure. I know a lot of words. I can string sentences together. I can attest that it's probably one of those five hardest languages for an English speaker to learn. I still am interested in learning it. I may take another crack at it this year, but I didn't have the success that I'd hoped for.
1: You also mentioned fatherhood as being one of the main learning points for you in the last year. I know your eldest daughter is soon to be three years old and your youngest is just over six months. How has being a father the second time around been different than the first time around?
0: The first thing that is obvious is that it is not two times more difficult or more work to have two children. It's actually three times more work, and the reason for that is is because these children they have minds of their own. That you know, especially the mobile one, she wants to do her own thing. So just getting out of the house and getting the family ready to to do something is a significantly greater amount of work. The other thing that I really wrestled with during the pregnancy and and shortly right after. Of the birth was, am I going to be able to love this second child as much as I love the first child? And then I remember about two months in, I was holding my youngest and just looking at her and looking at how beautiful she is. And, and I thought, I don't worry about this anymore. So that completely disappeared. And I was so relieved and, and knew that it would likely happen, but just realized that, okay, there's boundless love inside my heart, which Nobody's ever seen that before. (laughs) And I was very relieved that I have that.
1: Before, you said that you're learning to be an entrepreneur again. How is learning to be an entrepreneur in 2018 different than your previous experience with starting Modern Survey in 1999?
0: A couple differences. One is that the tools and technologies that are available for entrepreneurs today are far more advanced and easier to use, which is really exciting The other thing is that I didn't start this business with partners, so I didn't necessarily have people to lean on who had skills that I didn't have. So I had to really do it myself and learn a lot of new things. And the third thing is I had an incredible amount of support when I was with Aeon and when I was with Modern Survey, people who would schedule travel for me or create PowerPoints for me and, and schedule meetings and all of that disappeared. So again, I've had to learn how to do things by myself, which is has been fairly humbling as well.
1: You previously mentioned that as an entrepreneur in 2018, you had to learn new technologies. I know you're also following technologies that will impact our future looking 10 years ahead. What type of technologies are you looking at?
0: My interest is identifying technologies that are going to change the way we live and work. And I've identified five or six, including AI, VR, drones, wearables, 3D printing. These are going to be, they're they're going to fuel a wave of innovation over the next decade that will dramatically, dramatically change the way we live and work, to an extent that will make the social and mobile revolution over the past decade look like a slight, slight disruption. And what I've learned is that these are in market. They're not going away. They're very, very powerful tools. And they can be used for good. And they can be used for not so good as well. So in the case of drones, for example, we've talked about case studies where drones are being used to deliver blood from a hospital to a very remote location and saving lives because it can be done so quickly. Well, we've also seen stories about a potential assassination attempt using a drone, which is very disruptive. Uh, And, you know, when I think about virtual reality, this is a really, really incredibly powerful tool that's being used to treat addiction. And so that's a great usage. Or you can look at YouTube. There's a woman who's in hospice. She was born in Israel. And through the power of virtual reality, they're taking her to Israel. And it's extraordinarily emotional for this dying woman to go home, virtual home, one last time. So really, really cool applications. But I also know the power of just the screen and the smartphone and how many people are addicted to their smartphones. The power of that screen, to be addicted to that screen, is so, so alluring. But virtual reality is far more alluring to that. And so I'm thinking about the potential for being addicted to uh, virtual reality in a virtual world. And we need to start paying attention to this. So these technologies will change the way we live and work. And I'm committed to following them and, and helping people understand how they need to change, how their organizations need to change in order to harness them and avoid being disrupted by them.
1: Season one of 12 Geniuses is focused on the theme of change. What have you learned so far from these interviews?
0: The main thing that people have to understand is that change is very, very difficult. I think most of us know that. In fact, our brains are wired not to change. Historically and throughout time, our brains interpreted change as a threat, danger, or even death. But... We don't live in the past. We actually are living in the present and moving toward the future. And that's probably been the biggest lesson for me. But it's been fascinating just to really understand how difficult change is and why it's so difficult.
1: Looking ahead at 2019, what are you looking forward to?
0: All of the technologies that we've talked about, including AI, wearables, 3D printing, etc., I will continue to focus on. I'll look at some of the changing demographics that are particularly interesting in the United States and also globally. So one of the demographics that I find fascinating is that they're Currently, about a billion people in the world who are over the age of 60. And by mid-century, that's going to be 2 billion. So an aging population is really fascinating. What does that mean to the workforce? What does that mean to society and and how we design our communities and how we design our our companies, etc.? Some of the other things that I'm going to be looking at and exploring would be cryptocurrency and blockchain Gene editing is something that's on my radar, and I'm really fascinated about the ethics of it and how we are, as mankind or humankind, going to to wrestle with this very, very powerful technology and capability. I'm interested in global governmental cooperation and whether that is ever going to happen on a, on a large scale because I think some of the biggest problems that we're facing today do require that a couple of other things that I'm I'm focused on are cannabis. It's for real here in the United States. It was legalized in Canada. And so I think there's a, an incredible economic opportunity. And then two more reforms, prison reform and immigration reform. These are all on my radar for 2019.
1: And you mentioned a interest in cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. What about those interest you?
0: The thing that's interesting about cryptocurrency to me is I, I'm just curious if it's ever going to reach wide scale adoption. As you might remember last year, a Bitcoin, which is the most popular cryptocurrency, was valued at $20,000 or about $20,000. And now it's valued at under $4,000. So we saw incredible volatility. And when it was at $20,000, I thought, well, this is a bubble. But if it sustained it or is able to sustain it, we may have a shot at it being a viable way of trading.
1: You listed cannabis as one of the topics you'll be following in 2019. What about cannabis do you find so interesting?
0: The interest is that it's here to stay. And I watched really closely what has happened over the past two years since President Trump came into office. So if you remember back during the Obama administration, a couple of states passed laws saying it was okay. Uh, marijuana could be sold in in dispensaries in Washington and, and Colorado. And the federal government really didn't do anything. It basically said, states' rights, it's fine, you do what you want. Then a Republican came into office, Donald Trump, and he had, as Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. Well, Jeff Sessions was against the legalization of marijuana, but he didn't do anything about it. That, to me, signals, you know what? We're just gonna let it be the status quo and and let individual states do it. Well, the popular opinion has shifted on cannabis. Sixteen percent of Americans favored legalization in nineteen ninety. Now it's over sixty percent. So the genie's out of the bottle. This is going to be legal and it's gonna be legal if not in all states, in many, many states.
1: You mentioned both prison and immigration reform. Do you have any predictions for how that will be implemented in our country?
0: Definitely with prison reform, it's going to happen here in the United States. Both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, are in favor of it. It makes a lot of sense. I think there are many, many people who are in prison who don't need to be there. So I think some sort of wide-scale prison reform will happen. And it does make economic sense as well. If you're paying fifty or $70,000 a year to imprison somebody, and they can be a thriving member of the workforce, paying taxes versus sucking up tax dollars, that makes sense, particularly for these nonviolent offenders. With immigration reform, I'm not as optimistic. It's a huge political issue. We're, we're still having conversations. The government currently is shut down because of the president's desire to build a wall on the southern border i don't think that that many people see Uh, immigration reform as being a really strong fuel for our economy. But if you look throughout history, when we do allow immigrants to come into our country, they eventually become thriving citizens, taxpayers, and and do help boost our economy. That's my perspective on it. But I'm very interested to see politically uh, how the waters shift.
1: Don, I have one last question for you. Where would you like 12 Geniuses to be by 2020?
0: By the end of the year, we'll have recorded and published two seasons of the 12 Geniuses podcast. The first season is on change, as we discussed already. The second season, which will also have 12 episodes, will likely be on the theme of innovation or creativity. This is a very hot topic. Innovation fuels disruption, and our audience is very interested in that. For the other parts of the business, I want to start to hone my keynote. And by 2020, I want to have 40 dates. So over the next 12 months or so, I'm going to be honing the message for that keynote, really focusing on the technologies that we've been talking about today, some of the demographic shifts, using some of my futuring capabilities to to shape this messaging. And then the last piece is starting to strategize around consulting capabilities. So it's those three things. It's continuing the podcasting, building our audience, building our messaging and, and awareness around some of these things that are changing the way we live and work, doing some keynote speaking in 2019, but really ramping that up for 40 dates would be the goal in 2020. And then starting to... Uh, really, create a vision around what our consulting services will look like for 2020 and 2021 and beyond.